Hello and welcome to another edition of Ohrid Conference's 3TS podcast. This is Paolo Fuchs, the CEO at Ohrid Conferences. Today I am pleased to be here with Yasmina, Communication and Investment Manager of 3TS, and Jan Kobler, Managing Partner of South Central Ventures. Yasmina, stage is all yours. Hello to all our listeners today. My name is Yasmina and I'm the Communications and Investment Manager at Pretias Capital Partners. Today I'll be the moderator of the episode of this 100 Conferences Pretias podcast. And I have the pleasure to have with me today Jan Kobler, Managing Partner of South Central Ventures. Hello Jan. Hey, hi Yasmina. Hi everyone. Hi. Uh today we want to talk about venture capital in the Southeast Europe region and expansion from there to Europe and the US. But before we jump into that, I'd love for you Jan to tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, uh hi everyone. I'm Jan. I'm originally from Slovenia, from Ljubljana, but been living in Belgrade for the past six years. Um I'm I I must say I had a rather uninspiring start of my career. I started as a financial analyst in one of the investment banks in the region, but I guess I was uh, I was lucky enough because the founder of that bank had a passion for startups, so he started doing some angel investing and you know, I was kind of uh, his assistant in a way in, in doing that. That was, I don't know, 15 15 18 years ago. Uh and with that I I guess I got exposed to the ecosystem which at the time in the region was uh in I would say very early days so there were no success stories it was a very kind of a exotic way of you know making investments and especially uh, essentially spending your professional career but you know in a way um listening to all those founders uh, in the early days of the ecosystems was uh, was very inspiring to me and it was kind of contagious because uh, a couple of years later I ended up in a, in a startup myself along two co-founders it was actually not a tech startup but we were producing sailboats but you know bringing a lot of innovation to a, I would say an outdated market uh, where you know it's sometimes then it's easier to to, to um I would say to 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 innovate but it also takes it also takes longer but you know we were lucky enough to be able to raise some some angel money at the time that was in 2010 I guess so we raised some angel money we built a business that was selling um globally and we ended up you know attracting attention of the biggest player in the industry which was a company called Beneteau from France and we ended up selling the business um a couple of years back So that was I would say my kind of entrepreneurial episode uh and then from 2015 we launched uh, we launched the current fund that we are investing from South Central Ventures I relocated to Belgrade and um yeah I guess uh, we're going to talk about which which is the topic of of today's talk but I wouldn't go into more details at this point Yeah absolutely and so the next episode is so sort of the South Central Ventures for you so Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about uh, the funds you're managing and what's the investment strategy there. Um so we we launched the fund in 2015 uh with the strategy essentially to invest in early stage companies, early stage tech startups uh in Southeast Europe, more specifically Western Balkans which 
we kind of see as the region that we know that's close to us culturally and that we had some also as a team we had some collective track record uh, basically our strategy is to invest in b2b companies that have a globally relevant product for um, digitalizing some aspect of let's say traditional industries uh, because we're kind of industry agnostic uh, sector agnostic we do anything from agri-tech, media, technology, telecoms, uh, fintech. So essentially what we're looking for is to back teams that are based here in the region, have some early traction, uh, and we want to enable those teams uh, commercial acceleration. So we would invest fairly early, but still at the point where there is some commercial validation in terms of, I don't know, a few pilot, uh, pilot customers, a few paying clients, you know, that's uh, that's kind of the earliest that we would invest. And then we try to go in companies and we try to accelerate them and we try to essentially, I'm not going to say export them, but we try to expose them more to, I'd say, Western Europe and the US. And when I say expose, uh, I mean, obviously, predominantly uh, customers, but also people that we want to attract to the company, people to work for the company, because there are usually some uh, HR gaps in businesses like this. And also investors. Uh, one of the key, I would say, KPIs for us and for our companies is that after we invest, those companies need to be able to demonstrate growth uh, and they need to be able to raise follow-on funding uh, from other investors because we really kind of see, see ourselves as this you know, early ticket that gets them from, I don't know, typically we would invest when they're at 5 to 10K MRR and we want to bring them to let's say 80 to 100k mrr and um, and then raise follow-on funding so this is really the role that we see ourselves uh, playing yes understood and um, how big is your portfolio right now uh we have 28 companies in the portfolio um so it's yeah it's quite quite a, it's grown to be quite a big portfolio in terms of our fund we are currently at the stage where we're doing only follow-ons in existing portfolio we're just about actually to, to launch our next fund, probably in September. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have 28 companies. Most of them, I would say, have been able to raise follow-on funding. So, you know, with some, we're more active. With the ones that are more early stage, we're more active. With the ones that are more developed and have raised follow-on funding and maybe have even relocated uh, the management or the founders somewhere outside the region, we are, we're, we're essentially more passive because other funds have taken the, the lead there. Yes, makes sense. No, but this is great news that you'll be launching your next fund, actually. Um, um, yeah, with a, with a similar strategy, essentially, um, maybe trying to shoot for a bigger size uh, and maybe do have more drive out there to do follow-ons and to take uh, to support companies longer but essentially with a very similar strategy. And um, when we're talking about the region, could we specify for a second which countries are we talking about? Are those the countries that you're based in or do you also invest in the neighborhood? I mean, we have offices in Ljubljana, in Slovenia, in Zagreb, Croatia, uh, Belgrade, Serbia, and Skopje, North Macedonia. Uh, and we define our region, you know, basically as uh, Western Balkans, which would... I guess, you know, for the people that are old enough would mean former Yugoslavia. Uh, plus, maybe uh, we're lo also looking at deal flow in Albania, although we haven't done any transactions there yet. Uh, so this is what we define as our core region. 
we do also look at neighboring uh, geographies uh, where we would like to do co-investment. So we would not, for instance, in Austria or in Hungary, we, we would not be doing a deal alone, but with some, you know, partner funds that, uh, that you know, are there that have either co-invested with us and that uh, we want to co-invest with them in the future uh, as well. And so uh, if we take it further with this uh, Southeast Europe region, um, what we wanted to do during the podcast, as you really nicely called it, was to demystify the region. Yeah. So maybe to start with, what is so mysterious about it or why is it so mysterious? Well, yeah, I mean, to start off uh, really maybe, you know, 30 years ago, as you know, there was a breakup, a breakup of the country. Uh, there was also a lot of violence involved. So the 90s were, you know, quite, uh, it put the region on the map, I guess, uh, due to uh, not very popular reasons. But I think uh, starting from 2000, um, the region really started becoming very, quote unquote, normal. Um, and I think the driver of that also for our industry is the fact that, you know, there is a lot of, know-how uh, in the region. I think the educational system is very much geared towards, uh, you know, natural sciences, engineering. So you'll, I think, have a lot of people with good technical skills. On the other hand, you will not have many people with good sales uh, and marketing and business development skills. So these are essentially the people and the functions in our portfolio companies that we really need to sometimes uh, import or are more difficult to find. But in terms of, you know, the tech know-how, the region, I think, is very strong. And when I look at, I guess, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, um, there was a lot of um, IT outsourcing companies, so IT services companies that started emerging here. Um, and, you know, the, these companies over the years increasingly worked for uh, big brands and big companies in either Silicon Valley, uh, U.S., Western Europe. And uh, with that, I think uh, the region itself accumulated a lot of uh, a lot of know-how in in product development because these teams were more and more, um, I'd say, involved also in internal processes and in internal product development of those big corporations like I don't know Cisco, Adobe, uh, and the likes. Um, and you know, I think it was a very organic, in a way. A development of the of the skill set here in the region there was you know for instance there was never a big influx of capital uh, of money being um, being injected in a, in the startup ecosystem so everything you know that was taking place was very organic so i think it was it's a good foundation so it takes longer but in a way it's healthier i would say um so this it services companies and the people that were gaining experience Eventually, they started um, forming and founding their own businesses, right? Because they had a product idea, and they saw they saw some maybe early customers, uh, and that I think really started taking place maybe ten years ago um, on a, on a larger scale. And uh, I think this is kind of this last stage that we're in right now of uh, you know of, co of product companies evolving. And then, you know, some angel investments started, uh, some VC investments started. Um, and, you know, we're not obviously not the only fund present here. There are also, you know, guys from Bulgaria, from Hungary, from Czech Republic, uh, funds from US uh, also investing here uh, because I think they see, they recognize 
this element that you know there's a lot of tech know-how uh, in a way playing the geo arbitrage right so you can still get resources i think that are highly skilled but are also in you know price comparison are much much more uh, favorable than western europe or the us so you can you can really benefit from this uh, i would say 1 euro invested here in the region would probably take you uh, 3x or 5x the distance that 1 euro in uk or in germany or the us would take you so i think you know there are more and more examples of that and uh, people are also recognizing you know that there are companies coming from the region that are developing nicely that you know are i guess um uh, a good cultural fit similar time zone but uh, that there is still some early mover advantage basically here to be harvested and i think there's an increasing amount of investors and uh, corporates also recognizing this listening to you i feel like there are so many similarities between the SEE and the CEE region obviously now would you say that there are some key differences between the two still as well yeah, I mean, I guess I think the, the main difference is the size of the markets. So I think local markets here are very small, um, whereas in comparison, I don't know, I guess Poland, Czech Republic, um, you know, these are big markets. Uh, so I think companies that or startups that uh, they can essentially build a business without going out of the country, which is not the case here, uh, which is good and bad in a way. So it's good because it forces uh, founders to really, uh, to really think globally from day one, or to ex at least think, you know, outside the region from day one, um, which I think is good in the long term. But in the short term, it's it's more difficult for them to get some validation, to get to get some meaningful traction to to basically support uh, their thesis. So I, I I think that is the major difference. But obviously, you know, there is some sort of um, convergence element at play and I think in Southeast Europe we can really look look up to you know Central Eastern Europe and uh, recognize some of the patterns maybe copy paste uh, uh, some elements and we essentially to some extent have a playbook right how it's supposed to be done yes and before we go maybe further into the challenges that exist there for entrepreneurs and founders i wanted to stop for a second with you to ask what would be the main challenges for you as a fund manager then i think the main challenge is the fact that you know it's we're starting from a from a low base so there is uh, there's i would say you know still that feeling that the ecosystem is developing it's emerging so I think entrepreneurship or tech entrepreneurship uh, needs to be promoted, needs to be put on a map. So it's a very small community, um, and you know it needs to it needs to grow bigger in in size in order for it because in a way it's a numbers game, right? So the more startups you have, the more chances of you know landing that next unicorn you have. Uh, so I think this kind of and this cannot be built overnight. So I think um, you know. This, this I would view as the as the major challenge, and you know there are then you know other elements that uh, kind of result uh, from that. So there are not many, although it's increasing, but there are not many corporate investors in either VC funds or in companies, uh, meaning that there are not many uh, exit opportunities for local companies. So you probably it it would be very difficult to sell. A startup or uh, you know uh, an early stage business 
here locally or regionally at some sort of premium. Um, I mean, so, you know, these are kind of the challenges that uh, businesses and founders need to overcome. And we as fund managers as well, because we, I get, as I said, we, we need to build this bridge uh, between the region and uh, Western Europe and the U.S. And um, because if we don't build that, then also our founders, our startups uh, don't uh, don't stand a very uh, high chance of success. Uh, so essentially, this um, and, and this takes time. It's it's a long term process. And in terms of fundraising for your own funds, do you see that there would also be like a, a bigger challenge maybe due to the region that you focus on? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Although, you know, this is getting better. There is, you know, more and more appetite, I think, in the region. But it's still um, an obviously an alternative asset class. And it's it's quite exotic for most of the investors here. Although I think that that is changing. You know, there is, um, I think there is a new generation of entrepreneurs that maybe started their businesses in the 90s or early 2000, have sold their businesses doing some angel investments and also investing in funds. We have some of those uh, also as LPs in our, our funds. Uh, and, you know, there, there are also corporates uh, that are increasingly uh, taking a look at the sector. So it, it's definitely improving. It's becoming demystified and we're getting more and more appetite. But for sure, it's uh, far from the levels of, I would say, uh, recognition that you would see in either Central Eastern, uh, Central Europe, or or Western Europe. Yes, makes a lot of sense. And so, if we if we go ahead with you know what are the further challenges for entrepreneurs and founders? I mean, obviously you've already mentioned some of them because uh, you know less options to maybe exit locally, but also having to think outside the box since day one. Like, what would you say are some of the other challenges that they have to face? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the main challenges are, I would say, three. One is uh, commercial success, uh, two is uh, fundraising, and three is attracting people. Um, one of the ways that we try to, you know, solve these problems is by sometimes merging our regional startups with a similar company that may, that has inverse problems in, in, the, in the West, for instance. So... Um, essentially, because I think the companies in the US or Western Europe have problems with resources, with product development resources. And so we try to, and we did that successfully in some of our uh, portfolio companies. We try to merge and combine, you know, companies from our region that are strong in certain elements with, uh, with, uh, with kind of, I would say uh, compatible companies in the in, in the Western Europe and the US, and essentially making one plus one maybe four or five uh, uh, along along the route, and um, I think this is a, a very successful model. Or, but it's not definitely the only model, but it's one kind of successful model of how to overcome these issues of you know HR um, attracting people to the company attracting funding and uh, commercial traction, commercial success. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, the, the main KPI for us is for our portfolio companies and for, and not just for our portfolio companies, but, but for founders generally here in the region, they need to go out, they need to, you know, they need to be able to uh, make new connections to, to build a quality network and to essentially have access to capital and access to smart capital that's you know relevant for what they're doing 
uh, I think this is like 80% or 90% of the of the company's success. Uh, and th- this is what we're trying to, you know, help them with through our network or through some uh, other connections that we're establishing. But, you know, I, I keep going back to this building a bridge, you know. So uh, the region has been very, very isolated for a long time. Uh, and that started to change, I guess, early 2000. And um, people people need to get need to get more connected. I want to mention, you know, one thing that's kind of been a very um, big issue in the region, which is a brain drain. Uh, so a lot of smart people have left uh, this region during the 90s and uh, early 2000. Uh, but, you know, I want to say that um, there is some benefit that I see in this process because um, we are we are seeing some founders return from, from, for instance, the US and starting companies here. And we've invested in some of them. And these are usually high quality people with kind of cosmopolitan views, but also being able to understand regional specifics. So really combining the two uh, in a very nice way and benefiting. Um, And the second element is, I think, you know, that the people that have left and that have uh, remained in contact with the local ecosystem, I think that's a huge benefit because they can essentially accelerate or help help with this bridge building and uh, help companies that want to you know enter uh, some other market with with local connections. So um, I want to basically emphasize this as a as a potential benefit for the region. Yeah, those are definitely valid points, and you're right. Like I see it also in my sort of network that this definitely happens like there's a lot of people i think still today also a lot of young people leaving uh, the region um but in the same time a lot of them stay in touch or even think of returning later and starting something on their own which which in turn really benefits the region again that's definitely a good yeah i mean i mean like the world is very it's becoming a very small place right uh, it's very globalized uh, it's um, it doesn't really matter where you're based especially <laughs> For the past 12 months but um but yeah i think we should uh, embrace that and you know let's you know we should be open-minded about these processes and you know people are leaving but not uh, not losing connection and on the other hand let you know let's attract some people in the country that are maybe not originally from the region because there's a different skill set that we can we can gain with that so i think you know it would be good to be more open-minded about that yeah, absolutely. I would like to stay for a second with the topic of expansion from the region. So like you said, some examples of what models work for the companies, but I was more wondering, like, where would those companies mostly want to expand to? Like, would it be maybe from SEE, like, or from one country there locally to the others? Or would it be directly further away? And would they consider the CEE region as well or go directly western europe or the us or both or what does it really depend on yeah i mean i i guess it's it's a bit of a you know depend depends on the business and on the company and uh very often it depends on some sort of personal network of the founders and their uh you know kind of what they're familiar with um i think usually uh we would uh also, the companies would go where kind of the clients would pull them uh, in some ways. In a, you know, so um, 
maybe there are some referrals in place and you know that that's kind of the opportunistic way of expansion but you know it's definitely not you know country by country here in the region in some sort of uh, um you know concentric circles i think that's not the case in most companies but it's it's really um where where clients take them but you know typically i think that would be western europe meaning either either uh, germany dark region uh uk is uh, you know especially big in some sectors uh we're seeing some companies uh, starting to be present in scandinavian countries um because of the i think interesting capital markets for startups uh, that's emerging there um and obviously us uh, us is um kind of de- definitely on the on the i'd say on the roadmap on the commercial roadmap of of most of most of our businesses but i think expansion to the us really depends on the company's ability to to raise money in the us uh because i think it's the you know connections it's the just the capital requirements of at least from from our region so it, it would be useless and it would be fruitless you know to uh to 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 enter the us market with just let's say the funding from our fund or maybe from one, another another regional fund i think the chances of success there would be n- not so good uh so i think it really depends on where they're able to raise money from um is kind of the geography that they can expand to this is what i wanted to ask as well about the expansion to the us that you know what kind of boxes would the company have to tick first before being even able to actually making the step because obviously i assume if the company is so far only present in one of the countries in fee it's going to be too early to go all the way to yeah. the US. yeah no that de- no definitely i mean we've had some examples just recently you know where a us fund invested in a in a in a business here in belgrade uh, in serbia but they already had some experience so they had a company that they invested in maybe 10 years ago um where there was a us founder that built a tech team in belgrade uh so they were somewhat familiar with the region so it was not as exotic to them and now they invested directly in a i would say Serb- quote unquote serbian founder and and Ser- serbian company um so i guess it's a gradual uh, gradual shift and gradual you know getting more familiar with uh, with the region but generally without uh, you know some sort of us presence founder being there uh, close to the vc um, i would find it very difficult um, for for any founder from the region to be able to do that to, to be able to raise money in the us well we're slowly getting to the end of our talk so before i uh, do a little summary and a wrap up I have these three speedy questions for you as for all our guests. Uh, so okay. I'm ready for that. Uh, yes, should. So the first one is what is the most exciting technology that you've been seeing recently? Ah, okay, that I've been seeing. I mean, we're we're seeing a lot of, you know, companies that are digitalizing traditional industries, making them more efficient, automating some stuff and providing more insights and data to, you know, to to their customers. So I think that's very intriguing to me because i see very specific and short term value in that but you know in terms of kind of my personal preference these days or maybe these past few months i find biotech very intriguing and maybe you know some you know elements of lo- longevity and science around that maybe that's also uh, connected to my you know to me getting older by the day 
so I'm interested in those topics, but the biotech I, I find very, very intriguing uh, and been reading a lot about that over the past few months. I can relate to that. Uh, the next one is in terms of mental health. What do you do to keep yourself you know, sane and healthy in these difficult times, but also in general? Yeah, that's a, that's a good good topic. I mean, first foremost, um, my base is my family. So uh, my wife, two kids, two dogs. So you know, this is kind of the the foundation of everything I think for me. But we do a lot of outdoor sports. You know, kite surfing, sailing, uh, ski touring, mountain biking. So everything that's kind of outdoor related and uh, involves some sort of you know this because these sports are very they, they can be very meditational. Uh, for instance, ski touring. You know, uh, it it can be. It can be like, like a meditation in a way. And I also do some, I also play quite a bit of piano. So these are, I think, the three, the three things that uh, make, me, make me sane or keep me sane. And the last one is what resources would you recommend to the listeners and why? Like it can be a book, newsletter, podcast, whatever. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of obviously online resources, uh, newsletters, uh, blogs that I think are very helpful. I would I would highlight actually two offline uh, two books <laughs> that I've read uh, one recently one not so recently um, the first one is Twenty One Lessons for Twenty First Century by Harari it's I mean it's a it's a bestseller but and the reason why I liked it is because I think it it really provides um, a good bird's eye view of where we are and what the challenges of you know the present day are and how. Know, maybe not so much how do we tackle those challenges, but you know it just kind of very methodically outlines them, and I I feel very you know connected to some of those challenges. So it was it was a good read, and the other one is uh, has a maybe a funny uh, or uh, unusual title because it's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Carnegie. The book is essentially almost uh, I think a hundred years old. But it's a very good playbook on, you know, psychology, uh, people relationships, um, uh, how to essentially be a good leader. So it's, you know, it's it's something that I found very, very useful also in our business. Because I think sometimes, you know, in VC, uh, a degree in psychology would be more useful than an agree, a degree in engineering. And I think this is the book that really, you know, is a kind of a quick course of um, relationships yes for the preference would be to have both titles obviously so <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> the, the great company out there well let me quickly try to wrap up what we discussed today um we obviously said that the southeast europe is has very difficult recent history and this is what caused also historically some political instability and for the region to be isolated but as you also said, like it's pretty normal by now. And there's, of course, a lot of technical talent also due to the education system and the way it's Yeah. Done. yeah. Um, so even though maybe there's not, hasn't been that much capital injected, uh, historically, the development happened organically, which uh, took longer, but in the end was healthier. So there is like really good quality uh, ecosystem by now, which is still small, but is... Uh, is growing by the day. Yeah, of course, absolutely. a lot of people that historically left maybe came back with more experience or remained in touch and also in this way basically helped to develop the region. And so even though there is still a variety of challenges, both for fund managers and for founders, you know, from the fact that it's still 
a small community and maybe there's not that much options for fundraising as elsewhere. Um, and, um, you know, there is less chance to get more clients and, and thus traction as well as attracting talent. It's all getting a lot better by now. And there's definitely more and more investors coming into the region as well. Um, and it's developing very nicely and it's getting sort of less and less exotic, even though there is still uh, some way to go. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? No, this is a great summary. So um, you said it all. So good. I think the next time we all go to SEE <laughs> for <laughs> our retreats or vacations or to set up our new companies or funds. Now, thank you so much, Jan. It's been really great talking to you. Uh, it was a pleasure. And also thanks to all our listeners. And we're looking forward to have you at our next podcast episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.